Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. What happens with that? So, okay, so we will go on from that now. Uh, let me kind of go through these other ones and I can probably get some of these uh, things out of the way. I think I want to cover this afterwards and uh, a lot of other things. Okay, yeah. Alright, so I'm I'm getting myself back in order here. So uh, we had an interesting development um, this week in um, Cami's model. Of course, if you guys were watching last week, um, Cami uh, presented once again um, you know, part of her, her model with uh, Karen B, where they were talking about how the uh, moon is basically undulating up and down um, uh, opposite the sun and, you know, kind of in concert with the sun and it causing the different phases and stuff like that. Um, what we didn't really cover too heavily last week, but we have covered before, is the idea that, that um, we have come up with that the Earth, uh, excuse me, that the moon could possibly be some sort of a rock in the sky or a mineral. And uh, being as how Cami is a certified gemologist and worked in the industry forever and has basically just been a rock hound her entire life, she's very interested in rocks, something that I never, honestly, never had any interest in until I met Cami. And then I find out all these really cool things about rocks. And I can see where people really um, get caught up in them. But uh, so she uh, and I actually were talking, I don't know, a long time ago on a particular hangout. Uh, where we were talking about the possibility of the moon being celestite or celestine. And we listed out a whole bunch of very interesting things about celestine, especially when you look at, at the what the occult has to say about celestine. It is related in every way, shape, and form possible um, to the moon, um, which we thought was pretty interesting, especially since, you know, Cammy was looking for characteristics um, specifically in Celestine, that would um, kind of match what we see in the moon. And of course, we found all kinds of them. We found that it illuminates um, in different colors, depending on you know certain uh, static fields that it uh, that are passed through it or within it, um, or even um, other factors, which we're going to touch on here in just a second. Um, but suffice it to say that that it's very interesting that Celestine has all of these characteristics that we seem to actually see in the moon. You know, the inclusions, the way that it fractures, um, just several, several of the other uh, characteristics of it. Well, Cami was looking at um, some of the thermal characteristics of Celestine this week. And um, in light of what we were saying with her model last week, um, and I don't know, Cami, if you have that... Uh, graphic that Karen made if you want to post that one up really quick I'll put it up again but um, we were looking at that and then Cami found some information about I did put that in the chat by the way oh you did uh, yeah I, I dropped it when you were talking earlier oh no I don't see it oops oops now it is okay there it is okay so let's bring that up if it'll come up there we go okay so let's bring that up. 
And so Cami found something uh, very interesting in the thermal characteristics that seemed to even further support uh, her model about the moon actually being the cause of um, the eclipses. And of course, as you know, last week we were kind of left with a big question mark over our head. There are so many things that indicate that it could be actually the moon doing it, not to least of which uh, would be that that's precisely where the moon should be, but also that um, you know, the Rahu K2 uh, definitely has its merits as well. So I'm going to turn it over to Cami really quick and uh, let her kind of tell you what she discovered um, about uh, Celestite. So take it away, Cami. You want me to hit one of these links? I am. Here you can hit the first link that I put up, um, or the one that I put after that. I just have a picture. I believe I just dropped you in chat. Can you pull that up? Yep, this one. Okay. Yep, now scroll down on it. Yeah, that's a good place to be. When looking at Celestite, I do want to say it's a little bit backwards. That I was looking, even for years, not looking at the moon and saying that what I see, especially when we blow it up with the P900, is remarkable. It's just like working under a microscope, working under the telescope and working under the microscope. It feels the same to me. It feels um, like a gemstone. Now, I did work with jewelry and not minerals so much, and so the minerals was a learning, and I actually even stayed away from the Celestite a little bit, just thinking it had too much of a fluffy reputation or wasn't, the information I was pulling up, I wasn't getting, um, I don't know, I, I was just almost staying away from it, and I, I came back to it, and I'm glad I did, and I'm glad um, looking at it scientifically, I'm going to like tell you some things, why I think the moon might be a mineral, and why I think it might be Celestite. And hold on one second. Let me drop this in for you, Bob. Okay. Okay, I have a mineral to do this. Part of my thinking is is in this you know world, and I will say on here, I believe in God. Um, and I don't you know know how he works, but I look and see how God creates things, and God creates things with minerals and with atoms. And I mean, in other words, the way I see it working around that if you were going to build a light, you would build a light using not us manufacturing and putting pieces together, but somebody's much more brilliant than that. Somebody, you know, you would use something that would grow and function naturally and not need wires and the such on it. So I started reading about different materials and looking for different qualities that might make sense. And everything um, started cross-referencing. So we're going to play a little bit, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about strontium, which everybody thinks they know. And I'm going to read a little bit um, from here from you, because I don't think people on minerals see it. I think it's hidden from us a lot. Strontium occurs commonly in nature, ranking as the 15th most abundant chemical element on Earth. Only two minerals contain sufficient strontium, however, to be used commercially to produce strontium compounds. The first one, strontium. Strontitinate, I'm probably doing it wrong, strontium carbonate has a higher strontium content, but celestite, that picture that we were showing you before, celestite, which is very abundant on Earth, strontium sulfate is by far the most abundant strontium material. Virtually all strontium compounds are processed from celestite because celestite commonly occurs with barium and calcium. They co-occur with them and have similar properties. Um, they're actually, they look for the raw with the higher end to pull down. Now, if you scroll down a little bit, it's going to talk about the processes and where it was where it was found. Now, I want you to stop a little bit. Stop here. Okay. 
And let's see, what do you use strontium for? Strontium was used as a faceplate blast to block, to block X-ray emissions from color cathode TV um, in older television models. It was used to block out the models. And as it, at its peak in television glass, as much as 75% of U.S. strontium consumption was used in CRTs. Um, well, now, today, what are the leading uses? Today, the leading uses of strontium compounds are in ceramic ferrite magnets <laughs> because of its beautiful magnetic qualities, pyrotechnics, and signal flares. Strontium ferrite magnets are commonly used in small motors, loudspeakers, electronics, and toys because they're favorable magnetic properties and low cost. Strontium can also be used in the production of zinc as a corrosive inhibitor and paint and to improve castability in aluminum alloys. So we'll leave it there a little bit and say that this is how celestite grows. This is, I mean, it's amazing. And, and it's man that manufactures different things out of it, man that makes things that glow out of it. But naturally on its own, one of the, one of the, oops, we'll drop this in here. One of the factors that fluorescent naturally has, not all not all celestite, but a, a phenomenon that occurs in some celestite and in about 15% of minerals in general, but the celestite is one of them doing it, is fluorescence. Now, fluorescence, we're going to copy and paste. Fluorescence, you'll know this new, this picture I'm doing again. Oh, this one, okay. This one here that I just popped in. Fluorescence, again, you'll recognize it. It's just the ability that if you have um, non-visible light in your UV spectrum to, accept, um, to excite and cause a chemical reaction, a natural occurring reaction in different minerals and stones. And again, they do this on the mold. You'll also notice this effect like in jellyfish and, and different. It's natural lighting is what it is. So let's take you further. And do you have any questions so far, or is this going? To, is this making sense so far? It's it's making sense so far. I will throw in there that that um, you know strontium, of course, um, I'm, I've been very familiar with its use in um, CRTs, um, and it it's it's one of those things that if it was not put in uh, the CRTs. Um, basically, anybody watching a television or anything with any type of cathode ray tube would be irradiated literally to death <laughs> uh, because it would just bombard you with x-rays. And uh, that's one of the things that's really quite amazing about it is its ability to absorb uh, those x-rays and deflect them and, and anyway, keep them away from you. Um, so uh, that's very interesting that they're using that. And of course, I don't need to tell many people that have researched um, chemtrails that strontium is like the number two ingredient behind aluminum and then of course there's barium uh, also but uh, they are doing something in the atmosphere with strontium and of course you know given strontium's connections to the moon and to the and with its magnetic properties it kind of makes you wonder what's going on when you're thinking about CERN and stuff like that so that's uh, that's just the comment I wanted to throw in there and I'll give it back to you Cammy. go ahead Okay, and I'm back, and I put another, I believe, let me see, did I put this in here? I'm going to copy and paste another link that I want to take you to. And I may have done it twice, but it's the one that I just put underneath. Okay. This, well, that's what I just got. No, this should be an Earth Magazine. Uh, that's so interesting. Hold on. You know what? It's not. 
<laughs> That's okay. And we'll get it we'll get it straightened up here so uh, yeah. Oh, the, it should be It's like okay, in my cursor I have the article up with the wrong title and it. it's impossible but it's happening. Okay, cuz this is I have the Earth Mm -hmm. The Earth Magazine. I'm going to, here, let's just drop over. Okay. This is very strange, but let's do it another way of doing it. Um, what are you trying to do, copy and um, paste a link over? I am trying to paste a link over, and it's very interesting because I am reading the link on my internet, and the link is not, it, it's when I copy and paste, it goes back to the Earth Magazine one. Okay. And I've never had it do this, so I'm lost. Okay, well, maybe Jaren can help you on it. Anyway, so go ahead and just, just explain what's kind of going on with it. Okay, what I'm doing is I'm reading, and we'll drop it to, well, you can just put your what you have up there. But I'm reading from a Harvard study, um, basically. And what it's saying is, is it's talking about inflorescence, which fluorescence occurs naturally in about 15% of the minerals out there in the world. And... Um, where when it does exist it when it exists in a stone it does not exist in all of them that but again you can roll it out to this i'm reading a study that talks about in addition to the composition and the exciting wavelengths that um do it said that several other factors may have a bearing of the presence or absence of fluorescence in minerals what they did is they did a group of 66 minerals of which about a third of were fluorescent at room temperature and they cooled them with dry ash. They, they did temperature readings on um minerals and the effect that temperature had on minerals in fluorescence and what they came to and again we will drop this link i am doing a harvard study here is that the change of temperature proved to be the most effective of the techniques employed in general increasing the temperature of mineral quenches temporarily any fluorescence which may be present and reducing the temperature either temporarily increases the intensity of the fluorescence present or and what we're saying in this, I'm jumping over it, is what you're saying is is it has kind of a curie effect. If you have an, if you have a mineral that is fluorescent, when you're looking at the screen here, when you get up to about 170 degrees, I'm gonna do celestite, each each mineral has its own little point. 170 will, Celsius. 170 degrees Celsius. Right. The min, the mineral will the fluorescence will start to fade. At two hundred degrees Celsius the fluorescent effect will just shut down. It will no longer fluoresce. And it when it, the temperature rises and gets cools to 170 degrees again, it's going to start to appear and get stronger. Now, it's going to do that through the temperature gradient. It's going to, the colder it gets, the brighter the fluorescence is going to be. So the more you hyperchill, the more fluorescence will exhibit. The, um, let me find you another. I can show you a diagram about that pretty easy. Right. So, but the okay. So let me so kind go of ahead and, let me summarize it then. So basically, what she's saying, guys, is that as the moon is undulating and going around, um, and you get the new moon, uh, the new moon, the moon and the sun are sitting right next to each other, um, which would kind of tend to indicate that the sun would have the greatest heating effect on the new moon. Now, what did we just find out? We just found out that in celestite, um, when you go over, what was it, 150 Celsius, 100 and, 
whatever it was, 170, 170 yes. degrees Celsius, um, it starts taking away its luminescent characteristics. So that would go along absolutely perfect with what we're seeing. So uh, when the moon is full, and of course is the furthest away from it, which would be the coolest point theoretically when it's over here on the full moon, um, it would be at minimum temperature, which would indicate, you know, for, for celestite, maximum fluorescence right and of course we get that full moon so this is some this is a possibility uh, that we're throwing out there to people that what's actually happening during the new moon is it's being superheated by the sun and the mineral content within the moon is actually then retarding the fluorescence um, uh, fluorescent capabilities or characteristics of the celestite um, that which to me is absolutely amazing that it goes perfectly along with that line of thought. Now again, these are only possibilities, but as you read the possibilities and you read like again the different information, I pulled another can you pull the other the last article I put up there? Yes I can. Let's see if you if see if you can Oops. click into that one. Okay. Was it um, the last article? No, no, no. It's in the chat. The last oh, okay. I'm sorry. in the chat. Let me go. That to could it. be why we're we're pulling up differently too. Yeah, let me scroll down to it. All right. Okay. There we go. Okay. And this is very similar to the last article that I brought up or was reading from. But this is another co... A co... Um, well, a co-effect that would be taking place to celestite. Not only does it have a fluorescence um, effect with the temperature or thermal effect on that... Celestite and many stones themselves also have, um, stop right there, they have a color morphine that naturally occurs in stones. This has nothing to do with the fluorescence, but you'll read this one. It happens to coexist at the same time as the fluorescence. So this one, the, co the common blue color of celestine bleach is added about 200 degrees Celsius and reappears upon x-ray irradiation. The thermoluminescent maximum for blue celestite also occurs at 200 degrees so what this is saying is, is at 200 degrees Celsius, not only do the lights go out as far as fluorescing and glowing, but the whole stone pales. It just, it fades. So when people say, how can the moon disappear? A possibility on how the moon could just disappear if it was a rock is, is this particular rock totally fades out at 200 degrees Celsius and all lighting capabilities shut down. Um, to me, that would be a way that it could disappear. Right. Now, there was a, uh, a question from the chat that says, what about the cases when we see the full moon during the daylight? Well, I think that, in my opinion... No problem there. Yeah, that's not a problem because, <laughs> you, you know, full moon, again, the full moon would be at its furthest distance. Whether or not it's in the daylight or not, um, you would have the maximum charging uh, capacity from the sun if you want to look at it that way. But also being the furthest distance from the sun, it would also be technically the coolest point away from the sun as well. So that would actually work out perfectly. Okay. So, and so then, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree in that, too, and putting the, um, again, there's so many different pieces to put together, and I am not saying the moon is celestite, but I am saying it certainly, certainly is a strong possibility, and the more you look at it, the harder it is to roll out, you know, when I'm looking at the related optical effects and things that we get on it. I also um, think, drop one more thing, because it will lead it to where you're going. Okay. I think when we're looking 
at, you know, how our world is built and how it grows and the different pieces of it. If you pull this, can you pull this page up? It's called Electrical Properties of Rocks and Minerals. When you go into the um, electrical theories and the electromagnetic world, I think everybody needs to know that when you're looking at rocks, they all each rock has a polarity. They all have very specific conductor, dielectric um, polarizing. They have all of the conditions necessary. In other words, a, a rock can be a conductor. A rock can be. They are. The electrical properties of material defines its behavior. When an electric field is applied, the two principal electrical properties are the dielectric constant, which is the measure of the electric polarization that takes place when the electric field is applied. All rocks are measured <laughs> by these properties. And people, this is just giving an abstract on it, but you can see page after page after page of this if you do any research um, and get your information. And again, all of these things are also extremely, extremely um, affected by temperature, which is very interesting. It's temperature seems to be um, always a um, compounding factor. Yes, it, it definitely does. As temperature is a compounding factor in a lot of things, especially in electrical circuits, um, temperature definitely uh, has its very distinct influence on, on any model that uh, yeah, takes that into consideration. So it's very interesting, very interesting indeed. Um, you know, who would have thought rocks would, would have uh, characteristics like that? Of course, you know, before I met Cami, I never really thought about, um, you know, magnetite and, and, you know, how magnets are made and naturally magnetic material and stuff like this. But uh, I can see where people really get interested in rocks now because the more I look at it, the, the more interesting it is. And also, um, uh, one of the guys that we've been highlighting, and we'll be talking a little bit about his work today, Chris Monk, uh, at, apparently worked as a geologist and uh, had some very interesting information to share about that, especially uh, the drilling down of uh, 12 kilometers or basically eight or nine miles, something like that, uh, as far as what they hit and, the, and its composition um, that uh, he described uh, when he was reading the geologic reports on it, which was very, very interesting. But uh, okay, so we'll drop that for now. And uh, Okay, and have one picture to leave people on and then we'll finish with that. I left one more picture in your chat. Okay, hang on a second. Let me grab. It. It's weird. Every time you leave, you leave something in there. It keeps scrolling up at the top for me. I don't know why Skype is doing that, but it's just trying to be. A it's pain. acting strange for me today, and I, I do want you to. Ooh, yes. Scroll to the top of the page first. Okay. At the top of the page, to the left, you'll just notice, and it's showing how diamonds can fluoresce. But what it's also doing is it's giving you a nice gradient. When we say going from out to hyper fluorescent you can see like the different levels shown just in the gradient there when it's um again showing how different diamonds do it but i thought that was a nice visual even though it didn't apply but if you scroll down to where you were i thought that was a great visual these are all diamonds by the way and again diamonds are a mineral or are a rock and this just shows a whole bunch of diamonds with no visible lighting under a black light under uv light and again, how people don't really realize all that that's right in front of them that they don't see it all. All this requires is um, ultraviolet light to see this in a dark room. And it's there. Other than that, if you look at the picture, they're all different. The one thing that you need to, I should probably say about fluorescence, is, is a blue stone does not necessarily fluoresce. The color that it fluoresces can totally change. These stones are different colors underneath it than the colors they're fluorescing. 
a blue diamond can fluoresce red. A even within the different color things, the color that they naturally have does not represent the color they fluoresce. So I'll leave it with that. All right, beautiful. Okay, so we'll go ahead and close these, and I'll uh, go into some other areas that you left. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> celestite's amazing. It, it really is, especially when you look at it, and when you just look at the physical similarities uh, to the moon, it's absolutely uncanny. So, all right, so let's, oh, one of the things that uh, Cami wanted me to uh, point out to everybody, and this is really a fascinating clip. I'll go ahead and just post it in the chat here real quick, but it will be in the show notes afterwards. Um, but this particular movie um, is a 1958 uh, documentary uh, put out by Bell Laboratories that uh, actually shows how to grow crystals, um, what they look like when they grow. Um, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, everybody that Cami has shown this to has been you know, completely blown away by it because even I had no idea that crystals manifested and they, they grew so quickly. I mean, almost instantaneously, uh, Theory Apophysis was showing also how to grow um, these crystals in a matter of seconds. You know, so, you know, when things crystallize and stuff like that, it isn't always a process that takes millions and millions of years, as we're, you know, told by the mainstream. It never is. It never is. <laughs> Just another live of the mainstream. So um, this is a movie that is really informative on crystals. And, of course, crystals have been, um, you know, studied by, admired by the ancients. Uh, they've been a part of the occult for a long, long time. And that is because of their exquisite properties and their, you know, in some cases, supernatural properties. And, of course, I don't need to say uh, that, um, you know, crystals are used in every facet of today's electronics uh, industry, you know, primarily as oscillators. Um, they, uh, you know, you take a um, crystal lattice and you put it, uh, you apply a voltage to it and it'll oscillate at a very stable frequency. Um, you know, quartz crystal will do that. Um, and of course, you have uh, semiconductors, which which <laughs> you know, it's all about the crystal world. There, there's everything you know. Everything in modern electronics has to do a lot with crystals. So um, they're very prevalent and they're very very widely used. And as there are a lot of minerals and stuff, so very interesting stuff to study. So uh, just want to put that out there for this Jeff Quitney video, uh, the uh, Bell Laboratories crystals. Um, uh, documentary is absolutely fabulous so okay so let's go over to the uh, oh we David Weiss actually sent this to me today and as long as we're speaking about rocks um, this is very interesting um, this this is not that old I think this was discovered I don't know maybe five six years ago something like that uh, but this article uh, says researcher discovers a 55,000 year old artifact made out of oxygen, um, which is very interesting. So uh, it says in 1990, oh, I guess that'd be 17 years ago. Okay, so it's a little bit longer than a few years ago. But anyway, uh, an Italian geologist named Angelino Pitoni was visiting Sierra Leone in the vicinity of the border with uh, Guinea Conakry, okay, to verify if a certain region of the country known as Kano was indeed a rich deposit of diamonds that could be exploited by that company uh, that had hired him and sought to obtain uh, the concession of exploitation in exchange for building a number of houses for the government. Um, while standing in the region, Petoni came across an incredible discovery that was for some reason left out in the cold. 
uh, in an area between Sierra Leone and Conakry, uh, after removing a few inches of soil, a full chief showed Petoni one of the most mysterious stones Petoni had come across in his career, a blue stone with mysterious white lines on its surface. Uh, the tribal chief told Petoni an ancient legend which, according to them, explains why the area was so rich in diamonds. But the bottom line is, is they're not... They're just kind of calling this the, the Sky Stone, but they found something very interesting about it um, in that it is incredibly hard. Um, they've they've subjected it to temperatures up to, I don't know, like uh, close to 3,000 degrees Celsius, I believe, um, and it, it didn't seem to phase it. And then another thing that is really interesting about this, and this is very uncharacteristic of, of most minerals, is that this number of 77.17% of the stone was made of oxygen. Uh, the remaining percentage is divided between carbon, silicon, calcium, and other elements, who, and other elements whose presence was almost anecdotal. Um, so, but wait a minute, how can oxygen make up a stone? Well, that's a good question, and uh, that, that kind of even uh, baffled Cami a little bit. But apparently, you know, what a lot of people are saying, uh, Richie from Boston was, was doing a piece on this and was saying that... that uh, he believes that this is probably part of the firmament. Now, I know we've heard um, about other elements or other stones uh, that have been thought to be also part of the firmament. I think Libyan Desert Glass is one of the big ones that's being promoted, I think, by uh, LSC. But uh, this is very interesting that, you know, it's blue, it's sky blue, um, and it is incredibly resilient. Uh, and it's made up of 77.17% oxygen. That's that's extraordinary. you have any comments on that, Cammie? I do on that. Um, I looked at this a little bit this morning, and I am not familiar with the stone. I have never touched the stone. I would love to. I do have Libyan desert glass and have my hands on that. It doesn't look like it's going to be easy to get a piece of sky stone in Cammie's hands, which is a very sad thing. Um, on resemblance, um, you say it you know somewhat resembles lapis lazuli it has the colors but again when people look at colors that's what things look like and when you test it it tests out differently this one the article was interesting to me because it hit it hit some extraordinary and 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 made extraordinary out of an extraordinary in it but there was enough it was the 77 percent oxygen that i felt was the most extraordinary number on the article um most minerals that I'm looking at the oxygen content is closer to 15 or 16 percent, maybe up to 20 percent. You have slag. I found slag contents that were that high in the oil industry, but I was not finding, you know, other than the slag residual, that's a very unusual oxygen content on it. And um, the stone to have the characteristics again, it's it's going to be a fun stone to look at in all kinds of context um, to learn from. Yes, very interesting. So, anyway, um, that is just you know another one of those very interesting uh, mineral things that uh, we came across that um, you know adds potential uh, realism, I believe, to you know some of the assertions like you know the firmament and it being like glass across the sky. Um, it's amazing, but there seem to be more and more and more pieces of evidence that are stacking up to kind of support this claim that's in the Bible. And, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, but, uh, and honestly, I'm glad to see 
um, this kind of information popping forward and, and it's, you know, just stumping a lot of the geologists and, and uh, people in the field that have never seen anything like this um, because of its rarity or they're simply not taught about it, you know, which is a very likely possibility as well. Because if it doesn't fit into the mainstream paradigm, it's usually left behind and, uh, you know, it's kind of ignored at that point. So, uh, yeah, just uh, something very interesting. Now, this uh, this channel, Mystery History, um, did a video documentary on it. Uh, it's basically saying a lot of the same thing that the article was saying. Um, I will put this in the show notes. It's very interesting um, that uh, you're saying this. Now, some of the people in this are saying that this blue stone is lapis lazuli. Um, and tell us why that is not so, Cammie. Um, because if it was lapis lazuli, you would take another word. When you look at a stone and you test it, you would have, you always, if here I bring up a picture of lapis on the screen, find lapis for you, you're always going to have a lot of things that look alike when you're looking at. So, yes, it does look like lapis lazuli. I could also pick up some blue soda. Like, I could pick up a bunch of minerals if I, I just sent it to you in the chat, I thought. Yeah. I, I just brought Perfect. it up. Oops, that's a special one in the middle. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm looking at one of the sculptures, but um, you'll see it when you laugh. Oh, okay. Anyway, if you if you look at the stones, um, you'll see it, it does look like it could be lapis. There are a lot of blue stones that it looks like it could be, and just by common, what people are used to, lapis would be the most common. But when you're testing a stone, you are testing its refractive index. You're testing its specific gravity. You're testing its weight a lot of the times let me bring up another like stones converge they they merge they grow together they co-grow and so an unidentified is also some of the things that they said like for instance that when you crushed it it was white and it lost its color that's something that happens with a lot of rocks it's nothing a lot of the things they said were so extraordinary were not on the article but it did have some characteristics that were the high heating point and the um amount of oxygen in it but just doing a visual test and saying that it looks like a stone is um yeah and it's also not, not, not transparent it's not, either that's again it's 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 not the material it does not have the readings of the stone so when they're testing it it's not going to um you know they actually will physically have the stone they can put it on equipment so they will be able to know it's not lapis so, so your difference is, is they, like, for instance, I'm going to bring up this page here. Copy. And just because they haven't identified or do, when they find rocks a lot, if you know, uh, they're, it just a lot of the times means it hasn't been named, formally named yet, and it's emergence of different materials. But this, for instance, is Islet Stone. Um, it's found by um, Islet in, I pronounced it wrong, in Israel. And it's a combination of in the middle, lapis lazuli, malachite, a whole grouping of the different stones. And it grows and it merges together in beauty. And for a while, they didn't have a name for this either. It wasn't lapis. It wasn't that. But it is, it's a, you have a lot of merges of the stones and things that it can, you know, it wasn't unknown elements in it. They just had not named the stone. And it's not abundant. It's not something that everybody is out there mining. All right. Beautiful. Okay. So there we have it. There, there is the I want to rock part of the show. <laughs> and uh, thank you, Cammy, for presenting that uh, because it's very can interesting. I, can, I, can I jump in, Bob? I, I'm sorry? Yeah, you can jump in. Oh, absolutely, can can Adam. Anytime. Just jump can right I, in. 
just this is this is one of those things that I think we're in danger of missing a beat. Um, because a lot of people won't have looked at this. A lot of people won't have looked at gemstones. Um, and once you get into it, there's there is so so much stuff there to see. That video that you you're going to drop the link in the chat notes. Um, it's only twenty minutes long, and I would say to anybody, go and watch it. It's fascinating. Um, there's a lot there for us to learn, and this is the sort of stuff that we've been begging for for a long time. Um, the new stuff to come out for people to start stretching their minds a little bit. Um, and the other one is just pick up on Cammy's points about temperature, um, because it's almost counterintuitive. We we often think about things get excited and things glow and all that sort of stuff when they get hot. This is completely the opposite side of it. It's like almost like the flip side of the coin, um, how things fluoresce when they get cold. Um, and I think it opens up another option for us to look at. Um, so again, I say to people, go and have a look at it. Go and look at the model again um, and consider whether the cold is doing things. Um, and I know that, that was fantastic, Cammy. Awesome. Okay. And Cammy is typing something in the chat. That's cool. But yeah, this is the movie that uh, Adam is talking about, the Physics Crystals 1958 Allen Holden Bell Laboratories, uh, the Physical Science uh, Study Committee, and I'll just go ahead and paste this in the chat right now, and it will be in the show notes afterwards. But uh, you got to love these these old movies that, that, you know, are instructional. Some of them are so incredibly good. And it's funny that at the beginning, so many of them have to be declassified. It's like, really? Why would they classify stuff like this unless all along, you know, they're just trying to keep this this knowledge to themselves and, and not really let it get out in the world until, you know, it's ancient and then it can be buried and uh, people never really... Um, go looking for it it's not so much in their face anymore where they can they can just find it readily but uh, i love stuff like this and you're right adam this is a great video we've watched it several times it's absolutely fascinating so all right beautiful so you still with us jaren or did you fall asleep yet oh no this is awesome um <laughs> i'm just actually crazy searching like crazy over here because i mean people have always um basically tried to rationalize the idea of how the sun can illuminate the moon. And so if I'm hearing you correctly, um, that at certain temperatures that the glow that comes off of uh, a celestite rock um, diminishes. So we would be obviously all looking backwards to where as we get close to new moon, since it's heating up, it's losing its uh, glow. And then as it moves away, it would be gaining it back. <clears throat> and then some other interesting things there is celestite, obviously the name uh, being just like celestial, and when you look that up, uh, celestis is the Latin word um, for the sky. And then I started looking at selenium because I know that Miss has looked into selenium before. And selenium is named for the moon, that the, uh, you know, the Greek word uh, is moon. So then I was just looking at that right now and I found something interesting that when reading about selenium, and uh, not say, I don't know enough about selenium, but I would love to hear what Cami knows about it. But one of the interesting things I just found about that is that selenium has a um, it produces a certain amount of uh, uh, th I'm trying to think of the name of the thyroid that is uh, necessary for thyroid um, uh, activity in your body. And so then I was looking into that and kind of following that along with um, you know is that have something to do with women? 
and their menstruation cycle. And so I was just lost into that. So I'm certainly not falling asleep. <laughs> okay. That sounds I good. agree that it's really, you can connect things in so many directions and take it into so many areas on it. Um, it, I, we haven't started to touch the surface. I actually, again, what I have is the gemological or ge- geological information on it. But there are so many more pieces to be filled in, and I think they do all connect. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's that's the whole thing, is there's a little piece everywhere. And, and it's funny because I saw somebody make a comment uh, before the show started. It's like, all these pieces are out there in front of our face all over the place, and it seems like nobody's interested in picking them up and putting them all together. I read that, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I go, that's absolutely what we're interested in, is finding these little pieces and, and trying to put them together and make a coherent picture out of it. Um, so I, I really don't know where they came up with that idea, but uh, um, you know, that's pretty much what we're all about is, is finding the pieces and, and attempting to fit them together. And sometimes they fit, sometimes not so much. Um, but that's, that's why it's important to think outside the box and kind of look at these models and uh, you know, consider what is being said here. Um, I never, hey, Bob, um, yeah, oh, sorry. go ahead. Uh, if you look at this, I was just, like I said, looking at thyroid just cause I got there from selenium. I just dropped the link in the uh, chat there. This is just the Wikipedia for thyroid. Scroll all the way down to the bottom. Talk about you know, crazy coincidences. So I was just, you can go all the way to the bottom. There's going to be a picture on the right and, um, go to the, oh, I not, guess not it's the last that far down. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I haven't read about it yet, but I'm just looking at oh, one more above that. Cause it's talking about animals need it. Now look at that coin that they're showing on the right. What does that look like? It's showing. Uh, it looks like a, it looks like the moon or an eclipse or something. Is the that moon. Yeah. 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 Isn't that crazy? So pretty, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know where I'm going with this, but uh, just funny. We just had the eclipse. We are all talking about what's blocking the sun, uh, different people thinking different things. And then you got this thing, which is talking about thyroid, which is just, um, oops, sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, pretty crazy that um, this is all tied back together with uh, selenium, which I got there by looking at celestite. And so pretty crazy. So what, what do you know about um, selenium, did you say? Cammy again? Um, I know very, very little about selenium other than I have a lot of it at the house. And, I mean, I've got some beautiful crystals of it at the house. I want you to keep in mind with it. I could, you know, and I don't, I don't remember, unless I'm working on it exactly like the tables of it, the different scientific. It's one I want to look at for the scientific properties. It's not used commonly as, keep in mind, my, my background is doing expensive rocks that are in jewelry. Mm-hmm. And putting numbers on it, so these are not—they are not what have crossed my desk, and so I'm looking at them fresh from that aspect, because again, selenium never crossed my desk working, but it's crossing my desk now, and I'm playing with it with the same equipment. You know, it works the same way. Just God does not put dollar signs um, on the things and change the rules out, saying. <laughs> You're more expensive, so the rules change. So I need to look at selenium. I do have it. I think it's a beautiful stone. Um, and I wish I could tell you more on it without making it up. But I really have not studied it in advance. But if we want to tie it into the moon, I can see. I would love to look at it from a um, scientific standpoint and get some fun information on it, which I can. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's something there because it is selenium comes from the Greek moon selene, which is moon. Right. So, I mean, obviously, it was named after the moon. Um, it is very rare. 
so just interesting that all these things are together. And I totally agree with Adam that, um, you know, some things like uh, minerals and stones, um, I know I certainly have not even begun to scratch the surface with. So definitely a, a interesting amount of information here. And I'm reading about things that say that, um, you know, it's, it's important in baby formula. And it's just a lot of things that I've never seen before. So awesome research there. Yeah, very interesting. Also, uh, flat enough in the chat says selenium is also a cousin of sulfur uh, below it uh, on the table and also guess oxygen. Interesting. Excellent. And this is something I would love to, again, I'll see what other take I can take to it because I'm, I'm not looking at the same takes you are and I would love to look at it, you know, again, freshly on there. Thank you. Yep. Very cool. Okay. So, all right, so now I think we've gotten through our rock part of it. <laughs> and if any more comes up, we'll certainly, by all means, just uh, jump in on it. So um, this is all, of course, in support of the idea um, that the moon is, you know, potentially a physical object. Um, and, you know, Cammy's theory on it is that it is a uh, mineral of, of celestine or celestite, you know, possibly other some, comp some other composites. I have seen other theories out there saying that the moon could possibly be limestone. Um, and that has... Limestone is the same family. Yeah, it's the same family. Um, limestone is talking in the same with the celestite in that. It's, it's just a clump. You, it's the same family. Yeah. So... It's entirely possible, and in fact, so, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm going back and forth, because I look at Cammie's model, and I got to tell you guys, a lot of times when we discuss things, more often than not, she turns out to be right about it, <laughs> and normally, I think most guys wouldn't admit that, but uh, I'm pretty proud of my wife, she's pretty intelligent, and, and she's got a good handle on things, and so, you know, it, the more she's been building on this over the last two years, the more sense it makes, and that's why... I am not quite entirely ready to give up the whole idea, even though I've talked about it multiple times, um, that the eclipses are caused by uh, Rahu and Ketu. Now, when it comes to the lunar eclipse, well, that's obviously a different matter because we know that it's not the Earth that's getting in the way of the um, of between the sun and the moon. Um, so there has to be something else there. And, of course, you know, when we start looking and Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.